Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Good afternoon to you. This is The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two expert guests over the course of an hour. It is May the 10th. 2023. It is the day post the federal budget, and I've got two great guests with me, not physically, but remotely. All good. Carl's coming to us right from Perth, the land of milk and honey. Carl Capolingo from Think Markets and Daniel Ortiz from Lincoln Indicators. Uh, Daniel, I might start with you just with a bit of a thought on the federal budget and what comes to mind in relation to Fortescue, or should I say FFI, Fortescue Future Industries, is this uh, $2 billion, $4 billion, sorry, earmarked for hydrogen development in this country. So Fortescue has obviously put a statement out saying that it's welcome news. Uh, as an investor, would you be investing based on the fact that we could have some green hydrogen technology here at a some future date? Oh, look, not at the moment. I think it's far too early to really place any material value of that on Fortescue's market cap. It's, I think, a $60 billion company. So, you know, clearly it's not a, a needle mover at the moment. But in terms of, you know, that that help with financing, it's clearly a positive. Um, probably more relevant for the mining space is all of kind of the low cost loans you've seen from, you know, the North Australia Infrastructure Fund, um, especially in that development space. So, when you see developers get access to financing, that's much more of a material bit of news because you know they wouldn't have that access otherwise. So that's probably where we're looking more so what's conspiring in that area and a little bit less so on how the mega caps are, are being treated by budget um, reactions. Okay, yeah, and, and that I suppose is one thing we can take away as investors. Yes, there could be some impact on different sectors. But Carl, do you take it all with a grain of salt as an investor? I know you read the charts, but as an overarching uh, theme, you know, do you factor budget uh, potentially cost of living relief into any of your assessments? Uh, Look, I factor in how the market assesses and then responds to that. I mean, that's what a technical analyst does. So basically, uh, news events create demand and supply and then demand and supply create the charts. So I do in in as much as that. Uh, But what we've seen from the market today is an extremely muted response. And if anything, maybe overseas developments are having a greater impact on the local market today than a federal budget, uh, which um, will, you know, tinker at the economy at the margins, I feel only because at the end of the day, it has excluded the great middle class, this one. So yeah, I think uh, uh, the right response to the budget so far. Okay, good, thank you. All right, let's get across what companies we'll be speaking about today. Coles, National Storage REIT, Cardinal, which doesn't come up very often, Orica, which was the stock of the day yesterday, reports tomorrow. So it'll be good to get another view on Orica. It was a hold, by the way, from both of my guests yesterday. And Unibail Redemco, URW, is on this list. 
I thought we would pick the stock of the day as Appen again because it came up yesterday. I don't think Henry Jennings would mind me saying that he put this on a watch list, a potential buy, noting that it had a strategic review ongoing, noting that uh, it really was a terrible-looking chart, and he also thought it had AI as a potential tailwind behind it. So today, Appen launching cost-cutting plans. First quarter earnings coming through, revenue dropping about 21% to 95.7 million. Company took a hit to its earnings spending cuts by major customers, including Facebook, Google, and Amazon. So there you go, Appen shares absolutely getting hammered today. Perhaps no big surprise when you consider. That we、uh, have had that update coming from the company,、uh, so I will ask my guests,、uh, what do they think of Appen?、Uh, could it get any worse? Does that mean it will get better? Carl. Yes, I was waiting for who you're going to there.、Uh, me, I'm lucky first.、Uh, look, it, it can always get worse, Nadine. That's the problem with the stock market. I guess once you're at zero, that's the only time you can say your stock can't get any worse.、Um, it, it, it's getting pretty bad though for Appen, and I think it's very easy to、um, sort of. Fall into this narrative with Appen that oh it's got AI,、uh, AI is big, it's getting bigger.、Uh, ChatGPT, I had a chat with it the other day and it wrote my uh, my uh, English essay、uh, on that book that I was supposed to do.、Um, but Appen's AI is very different from that, and they are、uh, by their own admission quite deficient in the area of generative AI, and that's the sort of AI that、uh, thinks for itself is not the right. Uh, way to put it, but it it will、uh, sort of on the go, on the hop,、um, come up with、uh, conversations with you or come up with information that you might need. Appen's AI is more training AI, so the idea, and often、uh, human-based as well,、uh, where much of the industry is moving away from human-based training to it, its own、uh, AI-based training. Funnily enough. Uh, where that ends is uh, watch uh, maybe a, a, a famous movie from the eighties. Who knows? But we digress. The bottom line is, I think the the world of AI has passed Appen by, and we're seeing that more and more in the numbers they're reporting. Look, the other big factor for Appen going back about eighteen months was that Apple changed the way that、um, advertisers. Could or change some of the things advertisers could and couldn't do with their devices, and that meant、uh, significantly lower spending、uh, on the advertising component, which was another thing they were they were、um, really relying on. So、uh, things can always get worse. Is the message、uh, when it comes to the technicals? That, that's speaking to some of the underlying、uh, narratives around Appen. But with the technicals, days like this, I think, are really instructive.、Uh, when we get、uh, a profit downgrade like the one we've had, market is disappointed.、Um, often you're going to get a drop at the open, and then you want. To see how the price responds from there. So, if we close near the lows today, it's telling you that people have assessed the news, and that supply persisted into the end of the session.、Uh, so, at the same time, demand was non-existent. It's not like people were coming in to buy the dip and find the bargain. Now that prices are lower. That's if we close near the lows. However, if we can push back up and close near the highs, it doesn't look like it's happening on Appen today. It's telling you that maybe the market is interpreting this as well. That's the last of the bad news. It is time to buy the dip, and we're happy to take the punt. So watch that close. It's not looking good at the moment. Yeah, down currently by about twenty-one, twenty-two percent. 
Is there anything in the app and fundamental story, anything that management has said today, Daniel, that would give you reassurance that things are set for a turnaround? Uh, not particularly. I think it was pretty clearly evident since 2020 when they started um, introducing those really significant downgrades that it was more of a, a business model issue. It was more of a structural issue within the company rather than potentially a periodic issue. And we've seen the story play out since then. You know, almost every update and result has been to the negative side. So for us, it's probably more of a structural problem with the business model itself. It was always more of a essentially a labor hire business, really. Um, if anyone actually had a look at the app and platform, it was simply, you know, people on it um, getting paid by app and to narrate data and, you know, click on the images when it comes up, etc. So it was already or um, always really more in, in terms of a labor hire business. And it seems like that part of the model has really been shifted elsewhere in terms of competition and also potentially cut out with technological advancements. So for us, it's more of a fundamental issue. Um, we wouldn't be near the stock. We, we started covering it in 2017. So we were part of the story really early and um, there were just a lot of yellow flags along the way around that 2020 period. So it, it would have to be a significant turnaround for us to, to regain trust in the business. So lack of trust. All right. And Carl, that would be just an avoid for now for you? Yeah, look, I don't think there's any reason to fish for it down here. And as I said, wait for the price action. Look, I, I'm open to buying anything that's going up, Nadine, and this one's not going up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's not. Sure isn't. Not today, at least. Well, we'll leave that one there. That's the stock of the day, Appin. Now, let's get to first stock nominated by our viewers. And this one has come from Michelle. It is the good stalwart Coles. <laughs> And let's go to you, Daniel, first on this one. Fundamentally, is Coles looking good? Plenty of people talk about it as being a defensive play, uh, you know, trading down, eating more at home, all the rest of that. But is it already in the price? Would you buy it today? Uh, look, on face value, you know, the valuation's probably um, reasonable at the moment. So we'd call it a hold. Don't think there's any need to rush out and buy this. But like you said, Nadine, it's a very defensive company and it's actually still benefiting from food inflation. So third quarter trading update, you know, I think you saw sales grow at around 8%. So for a business like Coles, it's, you know, obviously very rare to get to get high single digit uh, revenue growth. But it still goes to show that, yes, people are more conservative about where they're spending and what their budget is. But the reality is, you know, staples are going to get the majority of the benefit from food inflation. The only commentary um, that is potentially starting to concern investors is around the trading down in certain products. So some of the higher margin, higher price products, um, according to management from both Woolies and Coles, are starting to come out of favour. So it could impact EBIT margin slightly. But if you look at supermarkets around the world, Australia certainly has um, some of the best financial metrics and performance. Clearly, we have a pretty large duopoly here. So we still think the business is absolutely fine. We'd hold it. Um, it's probably one that you'd actually rather hold into this reporting season than, say, many other companies that are facing downgrade risks. So that's the reason why we would like it at the moment, um, simply because it's a lot more defensive than what we think the majority of the market will be. Thank you. So that is a hold, Stock Doctor. Now, what is uh, Carl from Think Markets? Think of Coles. Yeah, look, I don't mind it as well. I appreciate the defensive nature of the business. Uh, you know, just on the point of uh, people sort of trading down that is going for uh, cheaper products, you know, Coles, Woolworths, they tend to have one of their own products there on the shelf next to the, the typical brand that you might have been buying. So um, if you look at the Coles' own brand sales, they were up 14% versus that broader sort of 7% increase in revenues. So they have a fix for that as well. Look, I think, um, you know, 
profit growth, as uh, Daniel said, look, seven, eight percent is great for a supermarket, but I think it's going to be sort of stickier to those high single digits than back to the traditional low digits we're, ex- we're used to, because as consumers, we're becoming conditioned to just paying more for stuff. So that gives Coles the ability um, a bit to sort of trade the spread a little bit, as maybe some of the products get a little bit cheaper, because they're talking about um, their supplies, input costs are getting cheaper. Maybe as some of the input prices get cheaper at Coles end, maybe they don't pass that back on to us, Nadine. Who would who would have thought that maybe Coles might just keep a little bit more profit for themselves? <laughs> the, the other, uh, maybe another slight headwind, it's only slight, I guess if we get more used to buying those store uh, store brands, we might start to look at something like Aldi as well. And we know this is a super, super competitive um, industry, but I'm trying to find the negatives here and that really aren't that many. I think, you know, as Daniel said, uh, I've run the valuation on this. It looks pretty fairly valued to me. So um, I think I've got 18.46 was my fair value target. That's about 2% upside based upon yesterday's close. I don't even know what it's doing today. Um, the chart is okay, not great. Certainly happy to hold it, but it's it's, it's just showing a few signs just in the price section lower peaks just indicating uh, increased supply in the very short term I'd start to watch a little level like this I'll give you a level so the closest below 1790 I'd actually take a little bit of profit off the table because you know the stock's up about you know 20% from just a couple of months ago if it then was to close to say uh, say below 1735 I'd take a bit more off the table as well but happy to go for a hold for now okay thank you uh, let's get on to the next then for Sophia national storage NSR is the ticker code. I'll start with you on this one, Carl. Um, boring comes to mind. Can boring be beautiful in this in this environment? Uh, yeah, for me, boring's beautiful if the chart is beautiful as well. And you know, I like my top, uh, bottom left, top right mm-hmm. charts. This one's not bad on the technicals. Like I can see a long-term trend. That's my dark green trend ribbon for viewers that are familiar with my, my technical indicators. The short-term trend's very flat though. And again, we've seen those sort of um, lower peaks coming in indicating that supply's increasing. So the only way you can get a lower peak and that's the sort of the, the, the A-shaped pointy bit on the chart and they're coming down because supply's increasing. But demand uh, through the, the high troughs is the, the opposite at the V-shapes showing that there is demand in the system. So we've got to get a, a compression in the range. Um, so, it, you know, that sort of indicates more of a hold than anything else. If it breaks beneath the bottom of the range, then that would start to, of course, we say trim on this to take a little bit of profit off the table. And that level there, I'll give you a number below, say, 240. I think you're taking a little bit of profit on this one. Uh, but if it starts to trade back into the high 250s, then I'm starting to feel more confident that the market is sort of um, finding the, the value in this one. Just in terms of the business, I'll, I'll let Daniel speak to the business, but I do note on this um, that uh, I think many people kind of go into NSR because it seems sort of very stable. It pays a very stable yield, about four and a half percent. And this might um, sort of be a recurring theme today. I did a Google uh, search before we came on uh, for my own interest and just interested based upon the stocks today for term deposit rates, Nadine. Mm-hmm. And they're up to about four and a half. I saw 4.6 percent, some teaser rates at five percent. And that a little bit, a little bit blew my mind. I had no idea they had gotten up that that far. And I think it does throw into perspective some of these property trusts, which are paying you unfranked dividends as well, that are in that range of sort of four and a half, five, maybe up to six percent. And I'm going to say in NSR's case, I think you might be better off with a term deposit. Um, I'll go hold just enough, giving you some levels on where to where to trade it. Got it. Thank you. Um, yeah, it did a cap raise recently, Daniel. It looked to pay down debt, also did so so it can fund some strategic initiatives. But, you know, you've got to think that there would be some interest payments that national storage would be up against in this rising rates environment. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few REITs on the list today. So I thought I'd probably just get this comment out early. Um, you know, you really have to understand the funding structure and the balance sheet of any REIT if you're thinking about investing in it at the moment. Because like you said, Nadine, we're, we're just coming out of a period of super low interest rates. So the biggest expense item for these companies was essentially approaching zero. Dividends were therefore inflated. Now that's reversing. Dividends are going to be coming down because the top line cannot simply grow fast enough to cover the interest payments. Now, National Storage Rate is a little bit um, unique because this is one of the very few REITs that actually have extremely strong top line growth, revenue growth. So um, I would actually look at National Storage Rate quite, quite favorably and hence the market does too, why it is on a smaller yield than some of its um, REIT counterparts. The one thing we really look at um, when we think about National Storage Rate is, okay, how are the, the rate, um, the RevPAM or the rates trending? Because if you clearly see demand for storage increasing, it's a massive benefit for top line growth. And I think rental yields or, or rates were improving high single digits, and that was with occupancy coming down. So they actually report that figure across the portfolio as a whole. So if occupancy is coming down and rates are still going up, it actually means that rates, um, just the pure rate increase was higher uh, than the overall figure. So there are a lot of positives here, and there's clearly been a lot of overseas interests. We don't own it at Stock Doctor at the moment, but if we're looking at rate exposure, I think national storage is probably one of the best placed um, and we, we would very favorably look upon that cap raise because it's going to give them a lot of access um, to rolling up the industry because it is very fragmented mm -hmm. and developing high high returning sites. So I think this is one, certainly if you're interested in REITs, uh, uh, one to follow for sure. But we'd be calling it a hold at that, around these prices. Okay, thank you. I was wondering if you were going to go into buy territory, but no, <laughs> you, you're not. Okay, so that's uh, that's national storage REIT. Now, Cardinale. Cardinal, I'm not overly familiar with. Um, what, do you, what do you know about the business, Daniel? Yeah, essentially, it's a it's a single property property trust um, spun out of Centre Group. Um, it, it has a 50% ah. shareholding um, in one of the properties in Brisbane, there, big Westfield um, property there. I so, remember you know, this one. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, this is Daniel. Just to be really clear, this is a wreath that has exposure just to one property, correct? The card yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's and that's why there's essentially no coverage on the stock. Um, and if you head to its website, where I went to download some annual reports, it's it's almost a bit like the Berkshire Hathaway website. It's very outdated. Um, yeah. So that's that's an interesting tidbit for anyone who's looking to research the stock. But look, to put it in plain terms, um, I think this REIT is fine. It's you know, if I want to own a, a retail orientated property, I think Westfield, uh, especially ANZ Westfield, is probably the way to go. But I'd simply be selling this and, and probably looking to buy Centre Group as a whole because they have a lot more upside potential with new developments. Um, clearly, releasing spreads have started to tick into the positive territory. Um, so that's a massive, a massive positive for Centre Group. And they're able to manage the Treasury a lot more actively. So they're a massive um, property owner in Australia. Uh, and clearly, they have you know higher access to funding and, and so on and so forth. So I'd probably much rather be in Centre Group. I think Centre Group is, is a bit of a bonus buy. Um, and I might mention the other REIT talked about later. But I think Centre Group is probably a little bit undervalued considering the, the real quality of the Westfield assets in Australia. Uh, and they have some great debt hedging in place. And they've really done a lot of work on the balance sheet there. And, and the dividend is starting to, to kick up again. So I think that's a, a, a better recovery story. Um, than either Carindale or or, um, or uh, Unibail Radamco as well. Which is coming up later. You're giving it all away, but I do like that you know the vernacular <laughs> of a bonus buy, Daniel. Thank you. I think I coined that one. 
Uh, so, Carl, there's sort of the overview of the business of fundamentals. Um, what do you think of Cardinal? This one's for Hugh. Yeah, look, I, I'm going to write down on my notes here, uninvestable. It really is. So it's traded one share today, Nadine. <laughs> I don't even know how you trade one share, but yeah, as of 12 o'clock Sydney time, it's traded one share and it's barely traded 100,000 shares for the week. Uh, it's because... It, uh, S Centre, Centre, whatever you want to call it, owns uh, about two thirds of the business, and that is increasing uh, based upon uh, the substantial shareholder notices. So I'm not sure what the deal is there or what they intend to do with it, but it's it's just it's hardly a going concern. Daniel mentioned that uh, the website is outdated. The, the website it actually doesn't have its own website. It's actually a, a portion of a sub page of uh, S-Centre's website. In terms of, look, I don't hate property trust. I think uh, NSR is a decent one. I'm just not sure if um, it's the right one. I think uh, Stockland uh, is pretty good. I think Mervac looks pretty good on the charts that is. And Goodman also, I know that's a bit of a fan favourite. That's starting to turn around. So if we're doing bonus buys, happy to uh, go with any of those three in the property space. Mm, So Stockland, I'll write down. What were the other ones, sorry? Stockland, Mervac, and Goodman. Okay. Although Merv- Mervac's obviously Mervac's not really a property trust, of course, but yeah, it's yeah. In, in the sector. Yeah, getcha. All right. Good one. Thanks, guys. One, two, three. Let's get on to number four. Remember, this is just information. It's not advice suited to you and your own personal circumstances, but Orica. So I mentioned that this was the stock of the day yesterday. Both of my guests, Rudy Filipek, Van Dyke, FN Arena, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today, called it a hold. You know, really talked about the cycle. Uh, there was a few dad jokes thrown around about, you know, this upcoming report likely to be explosive. Um, <laughs> But they, they weren't sort of overly excited about it. Daniel, what do you make of Orica reports tomorrow? Yeah, so we actually like Orica. Um, it has a great balance sheet. They've paid down a lot of debt in recent years, and they've also um, rebalanced the portfolio. So they're looking to get more exposure. So I guess the technical side of the business, so data management, obviously they're, they're quite renowned for their um, uh, remote explosive um, products. So, for example, one of the most um technically complex mines in Australia and Cadia owned by uh, Newcrest is, is um, using Orica remote explosives in their um, Blockhave mine. So clearly the quality of the product and the brand um, really, really sticks out to us. But similar to what the guest said yesterday, you know, it's we feel it's, it's been priced in. The share price does look like it's down quite a bit from pre-COVID highs, but there's also been a few cap raises there. So, you know, the, the share structure has changed. So keep that in mind. The one thing is that historically there's been a lot of oversupply um, in, in you know, the ammonium nitrate market, which is obviously a key input to explosives. So we've actually seen that reverse a little bit. And we saw last year, you know, obviously the fertilizer prices go through the roof. So hence you saw those raw material prices increases. That's why contract renegotiations have resulted in much stronger explosive pricing. And a company like Orica and, and Intertech Pivot as well, they have a lot of their own internally generated um, raw material, raw gas material. Um, so, you know, a lot of that margin will be beneficial for them. So management's calling out a, an improvement of return on net assets from around 8% to closer to 13% in the next three or four years. Now, that, that's a pretty significant improvement. And if they can execute on that, you know, the stock probably looks a little bit cheap. But, you know, we, we don't want to take too much execution risk in this cycle. So we're happy to call it a hold. I think mining and explosives um, the cycle will, will definitely stay strong for the next few years. So certainly add it to the watch list. But at these prices, I'd probably just be a little bit sitting on the sidelines. Do you think we're in a mining boom? Because there's a bit of um, disagreement about that. 
Oh, look, well, there's certainly, uh, I wouldn't say a mining boom, but the demand for certain materials and minerals uh, are clearly going to go through the roof. And if you think about what explosives are used for, you're thinking about, you know, large, uh, really large complex um, uh, uh, mines. So, for example, a huge open pit copper gold mine, a significantly large under, underground block cave mine. And it seems as a thematic that these are the types of projects that are coming online. So now major companies are starting to look at building these larger complex um, projects to leverage off their existing infrastructure, leverage off their technical expertise. So I actually think that will be a beneficiary of a company like Orica in the next five or so years. Um, but we'd rather just wait until the price is, uh, is a lot more favorable for us and that investment risk. Yeah, got it. So it's a hold. Um, what do you think of Orca? And I'd like to get your thoughts of the mining boom. You're over there in Western Australia. Um, are we in some sort of still boom period? Uh, well, I think we had a boom uh, post-COVID. Obviously, zinyl prices uh, jacked up. Uh, we felt it, you know, over here in WA. Just going down to the airport, uh, you just... 90, 95% uh, yellow and orange vests. Um, I think it's more of a burn than a, than a boom. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but I think it has. There, is, there are some leaks here. And if you look at Orica, and again, there's plenty of booms and burns and uh, dad jokes we can make, but about uh, 22%, uh, 25%, I should say, is, uh, of their um, revenue comes from copper, uh, copper miners, 21% uh, from gold, 22% from coal. Uh, so if you look at sort of the, the price dynamics, uh, both now and into the medium term for copper, obviously everybody's expecting the boom to occur there. Gold's uh, near record highs and uh, coal prices are still significantly elevated. You know, that's a pretty good chunk of Orica's business, um, you know, over 80, 80% of it in mining. So it's one of those sort of uh, selling shovels to the miners stories. And it's way, it's a way to play the, the ongoing mining burn uh, than actually go going out and buying a, a miner itself. Look, I like it. I actually think there's plenty of value in the stock, even at these prices. I know it's kind of towards the top of the range, but it's when stocks are moving towards the top of the range, as I start to get interesting, because potentially you get those big breakouts. And uh, the, I think the, the key factor here is there's plenty of growth uh, factored in from the brokers. I know there's some execution risk there and uh, cycle risk, but we're talking about 15% uh, compound annual growth rate for the next three years and your market average is about seven or eight percent so you're getting you know pretty close to double the market's growth and ideally you want to get it for as close to the market's p as possible now the market p is usually around about 15 and here we're talking about you know a median p over the next three years of about 16. so you're getting almost double the market's growth at about the market p that sounds like a pretty good deal for me um, our price target's about 10 percent higher than where the stock is now and i like the chart so i reckon you can you can buy some today i don't think you if you and i'm just hypothetical numbers if you're going to put a thousand dollars into orica i think divide it into three three parts so put put some in now because you want some skin in the game and then as it starts to push through set through 17 dollars you're going to add some more and then maybe through 1750 you've got the final component looking to take advantage of that breakout if it mm. occurs okay thank you so some strategy there as well for you folks nice one carl let's get to unibel redemco so again it's in that reits theme big shopping centers big overseas shopping centers. This is for Daisy, but um, well, we know what consumers are expected to do in this interest rate environment. So does that mean that this is not a good investment or because of the quality of these assets, is it still a good one? Um, Carl. 
Yeah, look, look, high quality assets. They own a bunch of Westfields through Europe and the USA. We know foot traffic has bounced back. That was up about 12% based upon their last update. Sales at centres up about 17%. Rent collections up to 95%. Um, A rebound in leasing activity and vacancies uh, uh, are up. Vacancies are down, I should say, as well. So occupancy is up. So it all looks really good there for Westfield. Um, In terms of the financials, they're a little bit opaque. not a lot of broker coverage, so I can't really speak to that. Maybe Daniel's got some numbers there. Um, so on the on the on the what I can see in terms of what they're reporting, it seems to, seems to be all trending in the right direction. And then I get to the chart. You can see the chart on screen. Mm. That is the opposite of trending in the right direction. So I have to say, look, I don't know enough about the fundamentals to, to comment, and that's fine with me because I defer to the market's opinion, and the market doesn't like it. So therefore, I can't be a buyer. Buyers off the table for this. I think the grip on hold is pretty tenuous. Uh, if you want to give it a little bit of wiggle room, maybe you can call it a hold. But I would say if it closes below 370, uh, then it becomes a, a pretty confident sell for me. Thank you. Uh, Daniel, what do you make about Unibail Redemco? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier that if you're interested in REITs, you've got to do a lot of work on the balance sheet. Uh, and this one has had a, a very um, highly geared balance sheet for a long time. So for those who remember, they made that acquisition of um, Center Group's uh, overseas assets just before COVID pretty much. So literally at the worst time possible. Um, it was actually the largest M&A deal in, in corporate Australian history. Um, and it clearly just, you know, it was a, it was a case of um, wrong time, wrong place, and they've, they've struggled with debt ever since. So this this company actually trades at around 40 to 50% discount to NTA. Um, so clearly, you know, the value seekers would say, oh, you know, it's such a massive discount and the properties are good quality. So, it, you know, it could be worth taking the punt. But from our view, there's simply so much uh, risk on the gearing there and the balance sheet. They haven't paid a dividend since about 2018. So clearly the dividend policy has been cancelled for the time being. They're really in divestiture mode. So they're trying to sell assets now um, to repair that balance sheet. But the fact is, you know, they're, they're trying to sell assets, you know, at, at a moderate discount to book if they can. So clearly, um, if they really needed to divest, they would have to take a bigger haircut. But the company doesn't want to do that because that means the entire book value will be marked down. So it's being very coy and very slow in its divestiture. And, you know, in our opinion, it's probably not the right way to go. You really need to get the money in the door and start sorting out that balance sheet as soon as possible. So for our perspective, it's too much risk. Uh, we'd much rather be in centre group. Um, and I call that a, a bonus buy previously. So I'm much happier to stick with that. Um, than Unibar Redemco at this point. Okay, awesome. Thanks, guys. It's hard to believe, but we're halfway through already. Some quality information coming at us. And uh, let's just summarize what we've learned so far. Stock of the day, Appen, avoid it, sell it, avoid it. That was a pretty unanimous decision. And uh, Daniel just says, like, there's a real lack of trust around the business, and there has been for quite some time. So you need to see the turnaround before you would ever consider this one. Coles, it's a hold from both of my guests. Look, quality business. Uh, tailwinds, given where we are in the economic cycle. Um, You know, Australian supermarkets are very well placed globally in terms of margins and dominance. Um, But, you know, just to hold right now, the value is reasonable in both of my guests' eyes. Um, Look, Carl says, watch it below $17.90. Look, national storage, um, not bad on the technicals, according to Carl, but just consider the yield as opposed to what you could get in a term deposit. For him, it's a hold. National storage, again, this is just Daniel driving home that with these REITs, you need to understand the balance sheet. He thinks that this one actually is pretty good. It looks like demand is increasing. 
has a lot of positives, but he would prefer center, as you heard, in that uh, that sort of related space, that property a REIT space. Cardinal, look, um, it's a hold at best for Daniel. Uh, there's not really a lot of coverage on the stock. Uninvestable for Carl. One one share traded today, so you would avoid that one. His bonus buy in the property space, Stockland, Mervac, and GMG, Goodman Group. Orica, it's a hold for Daniel, um, but he is looking at it favorably and considering it paid down debt, improving financials. Will likely stay strong in mining for the next few years, but it's a hold. It's a buy, though, for Carl. He would buy some now, buy some at around $17, and if it hits $17.50. So what you're waiting for is that breakup. You want the upside there. And Unibel Rodemko, you just heard both of them say it's a sell for Carl. And uh, yeah, I guess it's a hold at best for uh, the stock doctor, Daniel Ortizzi. All right, here we are halfway. Here's the portfolio. This is what it looks like now. Uh, we had a bit of trimming going on last month. We've had some added to cash. We had a replacement. Kelsian Group is now in. And when it comes to portfolio performance, it's up by 9.6%, roughly speaking, on a cumulative return basis. So we would love for you to keep sending your requests to us. We will keep putting them to our expert guests, and they may make it to the next episode of the Investment Committee. If both guests agree to buy it, if both guests agree that it should be sold, none of which has happened so far today. No pressure, guys. We love honest opinions around here. Okay, let's get to the next list. It is going to be Sims Sandfire Experience Co., which actually has a trading update out today. Deterra Royalties and ALS. Let's crack on with it, shall we? For Kyle, asking about Sims. SGM, Sims Metal Group, uh, recycling. Uh, services China a lot. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, so we're probably a little bit cautious on the steel cycle as a whole. Uh, and the main driver of that is you've got the potential for China to reduce steel production pretty significantly the second half of this year. You know, that's an emissions driven policy. And if that comes through, there'll be just, you know, a lot of destocking across the industries, which probably isn't positive for margins. So it's had a bit of a kick up in the last few months on some good um, guidance upgrades. And you saw Blue Scope had a pretty significant upgrade. But compared to last year's numbers, you know, they, they have still fallen off a cliff in terms of margins. But Sims, you know, it's more of a recycling business, more of a volumes-based business. Uh, and they have a few other assets that they own and, and they're looking to divest them. So they have a landfill gas business, which they're looking to divest. And if you look at the um, the listed PR, I believe LGI is the company, you know, they could get a, a few hundred million dollars, this five to $800 million. So I think, you know, if they start to enact that capital recycling program uh, and look to, look to increase their, um, their ferrous and non-ferrous recycling volumes, I think that would be a strategic positive. That would be the reason for me to start getting interested in the stock. Uh, but until I start to see those catalysts play out, I'm, I'm probably not too positive as a whole, considering where I think the steel cycle is heading in the next six months. So for this, I'm actually happy to sell this stock at the moment. Uh, if I wanted exposure to the industry, I'd, I'd probably just prefer to be in, in a BHP in iron ore, the raw material. So that has more um, of, a, of a positive industry dynamic due to the, the failure of supply coming out of Brazil. So I'd much rather be in a BHP at the moment until I see some form of execution or some form of positive um, industry tailwinds for steel in particular, I'd be out of this one. Cool, thank you. Sell, Carl, what would you do? Oh, look, I think yeah, it's, not, it's not far away from a sell on the chart. Um, and I, I think maybe Daniel's 
Uh, I hadn't thought about it before, but I think he's kind of made it a point that resonated with me uh, because they are a metals recycler and uh, they hate the recycle a bit of copper. They recycle, as, as Daniel said, steel, uh, which is obviously where iron ore is the input to that, uh, aluminium uh, and a bunch of other metals, of course. But, you know, maybe the alternative is just go find, if you think aluminium's going up or if you think copper's going up or iron is going up, go find one of those stocks. Uh, and that's probably where I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. The chart uh, is, isn't great. It's, uh, I think, at risk here of breaking down. Uh, the level I'm looking at is 1472. And if it closes beneath that, it's starting to look a bit shaky. So I think you would uh, you would take, if you, if you own it, so speaking to people who own the shares, uh, take some off the table on a close beneath that. And then if it closed beneath uh, 1439, that's where, based upon my models, you'd, you'd have to be all out because the trends would very much be set to the downside from there. Thank you. Sims Metal Groups, let's get to Sandfire Resources. I'll start with you on this one. Daniel, what, what do you think of Sandfire, uh, you know, the, the resource that it operates in and future prospects? Yeah, the, look, I'm almost a little bit tired about talking at this one because, you know, it's a, it's the default copper stock now and everyone's yeah. so bullish on copper. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit frustrating when you look at where the share price has been versus where it is now. You know, there was clearly an opportunity to buy it earlier on the year. Um, but now all of a sudden everyone's interested at a higher price. So from our perspective, the performance out of Maxa to date, it hasn't been great. And obviously they got a bit of a pass because of the energy um, cost issues in Europe. Now that's clearly coming down and now they're looking to, to enact some renewable energy and um, contracted price energy rather than purely spot exposure. So that's certainly a positive. Uh, and the second thing is that Sandfire is going to invest heavily um, in unlocking some higher grade ore and improving throughputs at Matsa, which the previous owner looks like they weren't, you know, leading towards doing that. So I think there are, you know, upsides and positives in that asset. But you're paying a pretty significant price here. And what I think is absolutely you're paying a premium. So unless you can justify to yourself that the copper price is heading well north of where it is now, or you think it's going to be taken over in the next six to 12 months, you know, I think you can happily sit on the sidelines here. You know, the, the copper decarbonisation story, this is a, a 15, 20 year story that will play out. You know, it's not a six to 12 month story. So you don't need to rush in and feel like you need to buy the stock straight away and potentially there might be a takeover and it might make me look silly. Um, but from our perspective, mining stocks, you know, you can have the patience within them. Um, and also they have a few projects coming online. So there's a bit of execution risk and the incoming CEO coming from South 82 is highly regarded. So I don't think there'll be any um, management transition issues at all. Um, but, you know, you, you can just wait for a better price because near term, yes, copper is an attractive metal, but at the moment, it's still highly economically sensitive. So, you know, if we're heading into a global recession, the reality is price of the metal is likely to head either sideways or potentially even down. So from our perspective, this is the one you want to buy, but you want to buy it at a reasonable price. So we'd probably remain to uh, sit on the sidelines for now. And realistically, if you're looking to fund other better ideas, this is probably one you could sell. Oh, okay. Well, I'll put that down there if you've been in it and holding it. Well, what do you think of the price, Carl? Uh, the, the chart's not terrible. It, obviously, as Daniel said, it's had that huge, huge run up over the last about six months. Uh, it is starting to lose some momentum to the upside, and I'm concerned by some of the recent price action, namely that last sort of dip down over the last few weeks. Um, but it's, it certainly still gets a pass from me in terms of the technicals uh, as in a hold. 
Um, in terms of the valuation, uh, there is going to be some uh, growth coming in here as uh, the Matheo operation in Botswana uh, kicks in, and that's a really big project. Uh, but once that um, ramp up occurs at Matheo, really they've got maybe three, four years at that rate before you start to see their production uh, decline and decline quite significantly. So they need to keep topping that production up through exploration success. So it's not like a BHP uh, where their reserves and mine license are into the you know, 2040s, 2050s. Um, and that is a key risk here. So I don't think you'd automatically go, uh, well, Oz Minerals is gone, Sandfire is the next one the next biggest one on the ASX, and therefore I should buy it by default. And copper's going to be fantastic. I just think that's really faulty thinking. And it's one of those narratives that I think can uh, can cause people to hold onto stocks far too long uh, once they turn around. Um, I don't know. Yeah, look, I'm not going to go a buy. I'm going to go a hold based upon the charts half decent. But if I could give you uh, one other copper stock uh, that looks uh, quite good, actually, uh, I'll give you one ASX one, and then I'll give you one listed uh, in, uh, in New York. Um, so uh, Copper Mountain uh, came up on uh, in our in my webinar yesterday, do an ASICS webinar on Tuesdays. That came up as a buy, so happy to add some risk there. C6C is the ticker code. and But my top pick, I think, in the whole space, obviously putting aside your BHPs of the world, which are diversified uh, mineral plays, um, is uh, Southern Copper. So ticker code is SCCO on the NYSE. And I think that has the best uh, chart of the lot of them, and it is uh, obviously a, a very large copper focused global play. Okay, so uh, the verdict on Sandfire. Just hold. hold. Okay. Well, a little bit lukewarm on Sandfire. Let's get to Experience Co. Experience Co, as I said, uh, was out with a bit of an update to the market today. I haven't actually checked in on the share price. Um, we'll do that when I get you guys talking. Um, but uh, what do you make? Because we've had a couple of pretty big upgrades coming from some travel companies. Hello World comes to mind, a couple recently. A minor one from Flight Center last week at the Macquarie Conference, all talking that we still want to get out and about, make up for lost time through COVID. Experience Co. I spoke with quite a bit through COVID and they always knew that it was going to be a pretty slow burn to get tourists back here to Australia, but it is it is starting to happen. Um, yeah, Daniel, I'll start with you on this one. What do you make of Experience Co.? Yeah, no, it was, it was great having a look at this one because it wasn't one I've looked at before. Um, and it seems like the majority of their business uh, historically was in skydiving and they've made a few acquisitions mm-hmm. um, around the COVID period to, to get more and, um, you know, other experiences and parks and, and so on and so forth. So it's certainly a reopening or recovering story. Now, like you said, Nadine, if you think about the nature of recovery and travel, obviously you're going to have the booking systems and the airlines uh, receiving the revenue and the upgrades first. So we've seen companies um, like Hello World and, and um, Flight Center, like you've mentioned, they're obviously coming out with the initial upgrades uh, and it seems like from the trading update today 30 million revenue it's recovering quite quickly but it's well below if you look at um, the rates of, or the take up well below 2019 level so there's clearly a recovering story here but from what I can see the share price um, has remained flat today and I think that goes to, to goes to speak about um, really the liquidity and the size of the business so it's it's just a little bit too small too unknown too a liquid I think for there to be any you know reaction in the share price clearly it needs to be a lot more price discovery in this stock um i haven't done enough research to go back and understand the, the share structure 
the ownership structure, et cetera. It doesn't look like there's too many covering analysts at the moment. So look, it's certainly a recovering story. And if you're, if you're a retail investor, um, potentially can look to, to take a bit of a nibble, uh, to use another Ausbiz term, um, for, for when it does finally into that recovery phase, likely in FY24. But from our perspective, it's, it's just too small and clearly the price discovery just isn't there. I think if you're looking for travel exposure, you know, look at the hotels business out of event hospitality. I mean, that's been flying in the first half update and I think it'll be even stronger in the second half. And from what we can see in the US, you know, all the, all the hotel companies have reported really strong rates in occupancy. So I think that's another opportunity in the travel space as well. Um, sticking with that as my bonus buy, and, uh, considering this one's just too illiquid for us. Okay, thank you. Well, um, I like a small cap, Carl. I don't have anything against them. Of course, um, you know, they come with all the natural caveats and it yep. depends what type of investor you are. But don't you want to get into a company that still has plenty of upside to come? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. The, the obvious answer to that question is absolutely yes. Um, but look, you, you mentioned some of the impediments that come with uh, small caps, and one of those is is illiquidity, mm-hmm. uh, because they, there aren't many brokers covering them. There's not a lot of interest uh, until all of a sudden they do something amazing, and then everybody's covering them. There is a lot of interest, and the stock's no longer uh, 28 cents like it is today. It's $2.80. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm not averse. Uh, I understand that the, the viewers of Osbys are probably not fund managers looking to make portfolio decisions, but probably mum and dad investors looking to buy a few thousand dollars worth, right? So in that respect, they probably uh, shouldn't move the market too much. Um, Look, I I like the business. I like the fact that it is bouncing back. I like the fact that if it gets back to where it was pre-COVID, it's going to be trading on around about 10 times earnings. So the valuation looks pretty fair, but there's a great deal of execution risk to get there. And you have to understand that. So at at the most, it could be a spec nibble. I like Daniel's term. I think that's where I'm at. I think it's a spec nibble see how that goes if it starts to move through 30 cents i could certainly nibble a little bit more if it starts to get to trade trade around 32 the trend's starting to look really good i could nibble my final final bit um certainly happy to hold it in the meantime now the key to this just final comment key to this will be the the chinese traveler and we're still at about 40 percent give or take of pre-covid travel to australia because flights have been really expensive because capacity's been really low so really experienced guys waiting for that boom to come there's that word again, where the, we get more flights, so we get more capacity, we get cheaper flights, and that Chinese traveller uh, changes everything for them. And there's a little bit of your executionary. So long story short, happy to nibble a little bit here. And if it starts to um, get better, I'm happy to nibble some more. Okay. Specky nibble, first of the show. <laughs> Always like when a nibble comes up. All right, let's get to uh, the next company on the list, which is Deterra Resources. This one is for Brian. DRR is the ticker code. Pretty interesting uh, model. Uh, you're essentially getting those royalties. It's a, it's a play on the royalties coming from Iron Ore primarily. What do you make of it, Carl? Yeah, and that's, look, I, I agree, it's really interesting, but then uh, once you get past the interesting factor, you go, well, why would I, why would I ever invest in this? Because I might as well just, if I think iron ore is going up, I need to buy BHP or Rio Fortescue because at the end of the day, uh, 90, get this, 99.848%, I calculated at 18, 99.848% of Deterra's revenues come from BHP, okay? just creaming off the revenues there. 1.232% of BHP's uh, sales from uh, the the uh, the royalties. 
and uh, sales of iron ore, of course, which is the royalty, plus they get an uh, annual quantity kicker if BHP decides to increase the capacity. Um, so it, everything depends on what BHP does. Everything depends on BHP's operational performance. Everything depends on whether there's a hurricane that blows through the Pilbara and causes the mine to shut down. Um, and then pricing as well, iron ore pricing, because the other part of it is obviously getting a percentage of revenues. Um, you've got quantity, but then you've got price as well. So you're taking that risk also for a company that has very little upside I can see apart from that. So long story short, if you think, if you want to play iron or go go, go buy BHP or Rio Fortescue, the only reason why I could see a viewer might say, hey, 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 can you, can you guys look at this is because it's got a, a really good yield. And I know lots of viewers just want a fully franked yield because it's more than what they get in the bank. And to that, I would say, hey, term deposit yields have gone up significantly. And if you just want the stability sleep at night factor, I think it's much, much better than this. And you've got to remember looking forward, um, yields are going to fall for this. So yes, it has a 7.4% fully franked yield last year, very attractive, but that's because revenues at BHP were so much higher. This year, it's more like 6.7%, uh, and then it's going to fall by uh, 2026 down to under 5%. So you know maybe it's not as attractive as what you think. Okay, so beware, and that's a no from Carl. It's Do you no see it any differently, Daniel? Uh, yes. Um, if, if experience goes a nibble, this one's probably a chomp for me. Um, this is my favourite exposure to iron ore at the moment. The reason why is what I've been seeing amongst the industry and what we've been seeing as a whole in Stock Doctor is that you've had severe underinvestment coming out of the Pilbara. So, you know, CapEx and this significant inflation as well. So CapEx and operating costs are going to go through the roof. The, the, the majors are now starting to enact acquisitions. So gearing is going to go through the roof. Clearly, something needs to give. Dividends will be coming down pretty significantly. Uh, and we think that you know, the majority of the retail investors are in these companies for dividends. Uh, whereas you look at the doTERRA business model, they're at 120 million tonne run rate now. It's going to go to 150 in a few years. So 20% volume growth. You know, Maxi is the is the heartbeat of BHP's Pure business. It's their key engine growth driver. So it's not factored into the share price at the moment, but you know, likely in time it will exceed 150 million tonne um, run rate per annum. Uh, and further to that, it's trading at about a 6% yield at the moment, plus franking closer to 9%. We think that's very sustainable considering, yes, prices have fallen, but volume's going up 20%, and they don't need to reinvest. 100% of the money that comes in goes out as dividends. So the only thing is is here you're taking on the risks that, you know, the board and management have flagged acquisitions. You know, we're, we're probably in the camp of that's a terrible idea. You've got the best asset in the world in terms of a royalty ownership. You want to put this in the bottom drawer and just leave it there, collecting those dividends for a long time to come. And, you know, Mac as a, as a project has over a 50-year mine life. So there's no impediment in the near term in terms of, oh, we need to acquire something because our run rate's ending. It's It's got five decades uh, of production. Mm. So we think this asset, you know, it, it, it seems it's, it's difficult to value because it's not really, you know, an equity. It's not really a stock. It's more of a, a, an alternative asset. Uh, and we would value this, you know, on that basis, and you would get that valuation higher. So it's a pretty low risk, um, a low risk income stock for us, and we would much rather be holding this than, say, the majors at this point in time. Ah, interesting. So we've made a market there. One is uh, no, it's, it's, as, it, it's as low risk as the iron ore price, you know, going up, up or down. So um, I get that there's a 20% increase in in output coming, but they get a million dollars per um, dry metric ton on that. So it's what's that 40. Uh, it's it's pegged at 104, so it could be what 46 million over the next what three years. 
Yeah, the the chart doesn't agree either. I'm, I'm, if it was a profit, gonna, if it was a profit royalty, we'd be concerned. But it's a rev- revenue royalty, so the money's going to be coming in the door. Um, income isn't an issue for these guys. We'll agree yep, to disagree on this one. Yep, I yep. think we will. Yep. All right. Well, uh, viewers, again, do your own research and uh, before you make any moves. But that's, uh, as I said, that's what makes a market. All right, ALS is the last on the list. Only because we're running out of time, I will move it along because I would love to sit and hear you guys debate it. That's how we learn. You know, that's how we learn different styles of investing as well. Um, but we do want to get to ALS because this one has been asked by, I think it is, sorry, Sarah. Uh, ALQ is the ticker code, so don't get confused. Recently upgraded its FY23 guidance. It's basically lab testing, um, but it works across across um you know different sectors but primarily i think in mining as well so daniel go for als what do you think buy hold sell yeah i'll keep this one quick uh very similar sentiments to orica so the upside here is from the mineral sampling um, business now that's much higher margin you're looking at 30 percent ebit margins versus its main um, business which is the life science testing so if you're positive on mineral sampling and especially the exploration cycle this would be a buy Uh, but similar sentiments to orica we think it's pretty fairly valued so we'd give it a hold Um, but keep in mind you know that is the key driver of this stock in terms of upside so if we start to see a lot more investment in exploration uh, out of the mineral industry this will be a really key beneficiary up there with say an index or a DDH1. So keep this on the watch list, uh, but for now it's a hold. Got it. What do you think, Carl? ALS, ALQ, the ticker code? Uh, yeah, it's always tricky when the uh, ticker code is okay. different from the name, isn't it? Um, yeah, look, it's a commodity is about 40% of the business, but the fastest growing component, life science is 52%. So it is, again, uh, largely a mining play, but only largely. I wouldn't say as focused as Orica, which I obviously prefer. Uh, earnings growth going forward, the brokers are about 4% compound annual to FY26. It's trading uh, on about 20 times earnings, and that I can't see the value there. So again, remember what I said about um, the market's going to give you about you know 7-8% uh, growth in earnings for about a 15 PE. So we're, we're much less than that and a higher PE. So it looks a little bit expensive here for me. The chart is uh, in a range and it's turning off the top of that range. So I'd almost go, I'd almost go sell on this one. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. We've got a hold and a sell for ALS. Let's uh, just review what we've learned. Thanks guys, now that we're at the end of the program. So interesting times. We've got a sell on Sims from Daniel. Look, he's just not very positive on the stock. And uh, look, he says, in Carl's words, not too far from a sell. Chart is not looking great. It's a risk of breaking down. Sandfire, we've got a hold coming through from Carl. It's not without its risks. He's pointing to Southern Copper uh, as, a, as an alternative. And when you look at Daniel's assessment, he says you just want to get it as a, at a better price. I mean, there is still execution risk here as well. Experience code, too small for Daniel. Um, you know, really, he would look towards something like event hospitality. Uh, it is a specky nibble, though, for Carl. Uh, because we still are expecting Chinese travel to return. The problem is, is that these small companies are often very illiquid, but he does like the business. Deterra royalties, you heard there was disagreement there. Chomp for Daniel, a no for Carl, and ALS, a sell and a hold. All right, guys, thank you both so, so much. I can't believe that it's gone that quickly. Um, Carl Capulinga from Think Markets in Perth and in Melbourne. Daniel Ortiz from The Stock Doctor. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. 
Thanks, Nadine. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Nadine. Great to be here. See you soon. Okay. I would also love to see our viewers for Market Matters, uh, a little bit of an event that we're doing with them, FY24 Ready. Are you? So, osbiz.co forward slash ready. That is how you register. That allows you to watch this virtual event either live or on demand. Are you ready for this new financial year? Do you need some ideas? Do you perhaps need to hear a little bit more about strategy? Join us. That's the show for today. Stay with us. We will bring you through the pulse, get you across what's happening here and now on markets next. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.